from West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by AARP West Virginia, your ally for real possibilities in the Mountain State. Learn more at aarp.org wv. The Charleston Gazette Mail, using its CGM app to deliver the latest news, traffic, and weather alerts, keeping you in the know while you're on the go. Lumos Networks, online at lumosnetworks.com. West Virginia University, online at wvu.edu. Orion Strategies, professional public relations, government affairs, creative services, and research and polling, with offices in Charleston, Buchanan, Martinsburg, Pittsburgh, and Columbus. Welcome to the Legislature Today from the Capitol. I'm Suzanne Higgins. The fallout continues from an anti-Muslim poster and materials displayed at West Virginia's GOP Day here at the Capitol Friday and the events that followed. This evening, a conversation with three local leaders of religions, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, who say the issues of racism and discrimination here go far deeper than Friday's events. But first, senior reporter Dave Mistich joins us for an update. Dave, welcome. Hey, thanks. Now, there's been discussion of possible punitive uh, actions toward the House Minority Whip since these events on Friday. Tell us why and what happened today. Well, of course, the, the House gathered over, over the weekend on Saturday. The House Rules Committee was set to meet at 8 a.m. Uh, there was about a 45-minute delay. House Speaker Roger Hanshaw said that that meeting wasn't going to happen then. It would happen after a floor session. And remind us what happened with the Minority Whip on Friday. Sure. So just to go all the way back, uh, of course, we all know about the poster. We know about the Sergeant at Arms. Who, who resigned following some, some comments that, that she supposedly made uh, to some Democratic delegates. Um, but, you know, the, the attentions began to shift towards Delegate Mike Caputo, again, who is the um, minority whip of the House. Um, Delegate Caputo, after these events had unfolded in the rotunda, had, had tried to, to make his way back into the House chamber. Uh, he said he wanted to alert House Speaker Roger Hanshaw of the poster of some of the events that were taking place in the he rotunda. He was very angry with Very, himself. very heated exchange out there, uh, as we've all come to understand. And Delegate Caputo has admitted to kicking in the door. Um, House Speaker Roger Hanshaw says there was, there was an injury to the doorkeeper. Um, and so one thing led to another. Uh, we understand that this took place between the prayer and the, pr the pledge. Um, but in the end, you know, the attention focused, you know, again on, on Delegate Mike Caputo uh, of Marion County. And like I said, over the course of the weekend, there was some, some conversations. He, he met privately with the Republican caucus, met privately with House Speaker Roger Hanshaw. Um, in the end, nothing happened Saturday. But this morning, uh, the news came down that Delegate Caputo had been removed from the Energy, GovOrg, uh, Industry and Labor, and House Rules Committee. So, uh, all of his committee all assignments. Of, all of his committee assignments. But that is only uh, for the remainder of this legislative session, six days as we know. Um, I spoke to Delegate Caputo about this news today. He expressed some disappointment over his removal from committee, uh, but he also pointed to other infractions in the House this session, uh, particularly by Republicans. 
We'll take a look and listen to that clip right now. I admitted my mistake from day one, David. I apologize to everybody that I could absolutely apologize to. You know, uh, there were a lot of things that happened this year that could have warranted some discipline, but obviously, uh, uh, for whatever reason, the Republican leadership has chosen not to go there. But again, that's his prerogative to do that, uh, and, and I will abide by his decision, but I'm not going to quit being the voice of people in Marion County. I will continue to do that on the House floor for the next six days. Now, Dave, you spoke to the Speaker about his decision. That's right, and, and you know, uh, you know uh, Speaker Hanshaw, basically uh, his, his decision in making this, he said, it was about the use of force in Delegate Caputo trying to get back in the House chamber. We'll take a look at a clip from uh, Speaker Hanshaw right here. The events of Friday took the situation here in the House to a new level that, that we've not seen before. We had an employee that uh, had, to be, had to be given a medical checkup following the incident. And regardless of where we draw the line and, and where we argue about what course of conduct is and is not or may or may not be appropriate, certainly we ought to all be able to draw the line at, at use of force and physical violence as being a point that we're just not willing to accept and a line we're just not willing to cross here in the House. So there, there had to be some repercussions for that and uh, the, the first of those was that the delegate be removed from his committee assignments for the rest of the session. And Suzanne, uh, you know, as everyone has, has talked about, um, you know, a lot of Democrats have, have called, you know, Caputo's punishments, and, and even before this ever happened, um, the result of a, of a possible double standard, and now they're calling it a double standard, given Delegate Eric Porterfield's uh, remarks earlier this session, he's a Republican from Mercer County, particularly making some remarks about uh, the LGBTQ communities, liking them to terrorists, uh, and then later to the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, I, I asked Speaker Hanshaw about uh, some of Delegate Porterfield's comments in the context of what happened Friday, and here's what he had to say about all of that. Sure, we, we have disavowed those remarks, we've condemned them, we've, we've, we've distanced the House as far as we can distance the House from the content of those comments, and I'll do it again right now. Those comments were, were inappropriate as far as I am concerned and don't represent uh, proper civil discourse in a deliberative body, but they didn't cause a physical injury, and a physical injury is the line that we've just established that we will not cross. And you know, and speaking to, to Speaker Ran, Speaker Henshaw, uh, he said that they have not yet ruled out um, you know uh, additional punitive actions against Delegate Caputo. Um, they could try to expel him from the House. That would take a two-thirds majority, which is not likely to happen given the fact that Democrats hold 41 of the 100 seats in the House. Uh, they could also go for a censure. The House Rules Committee, which did not meet over the weekend, is scheduled to meet tomorrow morning. All right. Thanks so much, Dave. Thank you. Governor Jim Justice held a press conference this afternoon primarily to announce February's revenue collections resulted in a $12 million surplus, which was 11% above February's receipts last year. But he also weighed in on the West Virginia GOP Day events. Here's what he had to say about that. Legs off and becoming a national story. You know, that's just all there is to it. We, we have worked too hard to have goodness, and we've got goodness, and we become the national story in a negative way, and it will either drive more people away or keep more people from coming, and, and that's no good.
uh, again, I hope what you'll do is focus back on, on what should be the story. And I understand how those situations are the story. But, you know, whether it be a teacher strike or, you know, bickering within our own houses and everything or, or things that, you know, you know, opinions that become very discriminatory or it becomes actions that are completely disrespectful to the fact that we have a House of Representatives, you know, and so, so let's, let's just, I hope we can just pump the brakes and dial back and, and become the great West Virginians and, and talk about the story, the success story of what we're doing and, and hope that more people will come and more opportunity will present itself to our state and to our citizens. Join us now to discuss the issues of racism and discrimination are Ms. Ittisim Sue Barazi, Vice President of the Islamic Association of West Virginia, Rabbi Victor Urecki, Head of the Benai Jacob Synagogue in Charleston, and Father Brian O'Donnell, Director of the Catholic Conference of West Virginia. Thank you all for being here tonight. Thank you, folks. And I, and I do want to note that the three of you are not strangers to the Capitol. You have um, been very involved over the last couple years in, in the legislative mm -hmm. process and supporting particular pieces of legislation, uh, opposing others. Um, so you've been meeting with, with lawmakers for years now. Um, Ms. Barazzi, I'd like to first talk uh, with you. Just, just tell us how you found out about um, the events, the display that was, that was here uh, for West Virginia GOP Day uh, on Friday and, and your reaction to that kind of uh, material that connects uh, people of Muslim faith with the terrorist attacks of 9-11. That was the particular poster. And then um, the alleged remarks by the, what's, uh, by the House of Delegates, uh, Sergeant in Arms, that all Muslims are terrorists. And we do want to say that she has um, denied those um, allegations. She has since resigned. But again, how you found out about it on Friday and your reaction. Well, the way I found out about it by text from a friend and then my phone started to really lit up like a, a firecracker uh, of all the messages of sorry and a message of condemnation from a lot of my interfaith friends. And I honestly start crying because I was driving home from an appointment and it just floored me basically. And then my community, well, by the time I got home, I found so much messaging from my community also the same way Everybody was extremely heartbroken. The image of the Twin Towers with uh, Congresswoman uh, Omar was absolutely devastating. As you can see, I wear a hijab. Everywhere I go, I get stared at. We have a large community here in Charleston, and a lot of the women wear hijab, head cover. And so therefore, wherever we go, we get stared at. And having that image associated with our head cover that symbolizes our religion, is actually very devastating. And I don't want to start crying because mm -hmm. I am still very upset about it. Let me ask you, the response that you have gotten or that we have heard from uh, the Speaker of the House, 
from the Senate president, from our governor. Is it, is it adequate? Is it what you were hoping for? No. I was extremely disappointed with uh, Mr. Henshaw's statement of condemnation on the first day of hate speech in general. The statement made by Mrs. Lieberman at, as all Muslims are terrorists, that was a specific statement. And then I heard Diane Graves saying that freedom of speech, there's a very fine difference between freedom of speech and hate speech. Hate, that was hate speech. That is not a freedom of speech. Uh, when your statement and your action and your words may result in somebody taking that upon themselves, as they did in the synagogue in Pittsburgh, and take a physical action against a person because we happen to wear a head cover, or we happen to be a dark skin, or we have an accent, that is not a freedom of speech, I'm sorry. Uh, allow me to bring the gentleman in, into the conversation as well. Uh, Rabbi Yurecki, uh, Father uh, O'Donnell, um, again, was the, was the uh, response adequate? And, and what about uh, the argument of, you know, um, uh, well, on Friday, specifically on Friday, Democrats rose to denounce the hate speech and the, and the derogatory inflammatory, inflammatory materials. We heard a couple of the Republicans stand and say, this is freedom of speech. I might not agree with it, but it's freedom of speech. Your, your reaction to, to these events? I don't think uh, there was enough of an add-on to, we have freedom of speech in the United States. That doesn't mean that as a representative of the people, I can't forcibly respond. Uh, to what's been heard. The thing that amazes me again and again is the lack of understanding of just plain reality. When I think of a Muslim American in West Virginia, I think of someone providing health care to our people. That's the image that leaps into my mind. It's like this boogeyman that gets created in people's minds is just almost insane. Rabbi Yurecki. The response was measured, which I understand in the political universe we have to be measured. But that's, as I think my dear friend Sue said, it wasn't enough. We use the words rights, but I don't think our society uses enough responsibility, the word responsibility. My first thoughts when I saw those devastating pictures and images that were appearing were, how would I feel as a member of the Jewish community? and Indeed, in our history, we've seen that and we continue to see that being used against our people, being accused of most pernicious crimes and evils. That's not Islam. And it's not a person has a right, everyone has a right to say whatever they want. But society and leadership um, has a responsibility to step up and make sure that people understand that this is not acceptable. The GOP, that was their display. Yeah, they have a right, but does the GOP want to say that that is what the GOP represents? Do we want as West Virginians to say that's what we represent? And if not, we need to come forward and speak eloquently and speak too directly to our friends. Um, I just did a video to talk about it. For me, it was very important to do it at the mosque. I wanted to be there and to show and affirm my support and love for our Muslim brothers and sisters here in West Virginia. Ms. Barraza, you, you mentioned um, calls, texts, uh, r rallying support around you when, when this happened. How, how pervasive is prejudice and bigotry 
do you believe um, in West Virginia toward the Muslim faith? I mean, the state of West Virginia, and specifically Charleston, has a lot of wonderful people. And we have been working with the interfaith community for years now, trying to make sure that we reach uh, across uh, the aisle, or so to speak, just to open minds, teach them about who we are. As Father O'Donnell says, our community has the highest number of physicians in the state of West Virginia. Look at CAMC and see who treats you every day. Look at the teachers, engineers, entrepreneurs, businesses. We represent high percentage of businesses in the state of West Virginia, even though our total immigrant number are 1.6% of the total population, but yet we pay about $74 million in taxes every year. We take care of the sick where the natives are leaving the state. We are here to take care of the people. I personally have a daughter a son and a son-in-law who are physicians who are in the state of West Virginia taking care of your health. So how would you like it if immigrant leaves? We are very peaceful people, we are very loving people to be always associated with the heinous crime such as the 9-11, which we, none of us have anything to do with it. There are some prejudiced people. We do get a lot of strange looks. I personally get strange looks everywhere I go. But the people with the big heart and none, and uh, people who reached out to me, it really touched my heart so badly that people were just like, what can I do? This is not us. This is not West Virginia value. This is not our American value. This is not our religious value, whether they are Christian, Jews, or no faith. They all came out in support. Father O'Donnell, how do we fight prejudice and, and bigotry? I think, uh, the more and more that the story of our uh, Muslim American uh, sisters and brothers uh, are conveyed to people, uh, I think this should be a priority among all the members of the faith community. I'm a part of the board of the Council of Churches, and I think the next meeting we're going to up the priority of that to let people know what the real story is here. Uh, for the own, our own diocese, we had a statement on Sunday that keyed on the uh, remarkable meeting of the Pope and the Grand Imam of uh, the most prestigious uh, mosque and university in Egypt. They signed a document in which they agreed on taking care of those who were hurting, weak. Uh, they had a special care for the 25 million refugees there are on the face of the earth. Uh, and they were quite clear there's no basis in religion for violence and that sort of thing. They were expressing the views of the vast majority of Christians and Muslims everywhere. So I think uh, there has to be more of forcing people to take a hard look at what, what's the real situation. Uh, it's quite incredible to me that this, this visceral distrust and fear business keeps on being pumped out when you can't find anything to justify it. It's ridiculous. Let me just real quickly um, pivot and, and talk about some specific uh, legislations, particularly you mentioned refugees. Over the years, West Virginia lawmakers have introduced bills targeting refugees who, of course, flee their country because of persecution, because of war. Um, many Muslim countries um, and these bills have been in the House Homeland Security and Veterans Affairs agenda. Delegate Jim Butler is the, uh, of Mason County is the chair. And you have fought against these, these bills. Um, who sees this as an, as an issue here and a, a needed bill? 
The I Catholic mean. Charities USA is one of the major resettlers of refugees, along with other organizations in the country. How many refugees do we get in At a year? At present, two have come in. Two. The Trump administration has turned the spigot off. And they have this enormous bill with this incredible amount of reporting and so forth and so on for two refugees. The story in this state, Catholic Charities West Virginia, is the only outfit that, that settles refugees. The normal story in West Virginia is you're talking in terms of months. Wherever the refugee comes from, they're either gainfully employed, going to school, or they're staying home taking care of the kids. They're productive citizens very quickly. As I was saying, Catholic Charities USA says, this is an answer to a problem that doesn't exist. And, and of course, that bill did not uh, get out of committee, did it's it not? It's an abominably written bill. They haven't changed it over the years, although it's been pointed out to them. Many of these incredible reporting requirements, they have to go to the federal government to get the information, and they're not going to get a lot of the information because of HIPAA. And also, there's a concern in many cases of if we give you too much information, there may be rep repercussions for the people they left at home. It's an absurd bill. We only have a few moments left. And I'd like to give each of you just a, a moment for a, a final comment. Uh, uh, Rabbi Yurecki, uh, you know, any final thoughts as to what's happening here at the Capitol or not happening here at the Capitol along these issues? Well, I think what we need to do, and I always say we saw this at Pittsburgh when uh, the Jewish community experienced such devastating news. We need to weaponize goodness. There's so many good people. Sue experienced that. The Catholic community is part of it. We need to weaponize that goodness. Right now in the legislature, we have a tendency to weaponize evil acts and try to take those things that doesn't represent West Virginia and try to legislate those things. Ms. Ms. Bazzari. Well, I would like to see our government leader set an example for the rest of the community. They are in the people's house. They represent the people. I like them to be leaders in all aspects of life, not just in setting up laws. Well, the way they act is how the people follow them. If they act with dignity, compassion, and love and caring towards everybody, treat everybody the same. Do not uh, demonize the other no matter what the other looks like or who they want to love. Treat them with kindness and dignity. That's all we're asking for. Treat us like a normal human being. Father O'Donnell. Uh, as an old college professor, I'd love people to just study the facts and draw conclusions. But I would urge people, take a look at your scriptures. We're all religions of the book here. If you read those scriptures, God wants us to take care of the stranger among us. Jesus Christ explicitly identifies himself with refugees and the stranger among us. In the, in the Christian scriptures, uh, if you just look hard at the book you say you believe in. That'll have to be the last word. Thank you all, Ms. Barazi, uh, Rabbi Yurecki, and Father O'Donnell. Thank you oh, for being thank here. You thank much. you. After, after passage in the House today, or passage earlier in the House, the controversial campus carry bill is currently in the Senate Judiciary Committee. It was on the calendar for consideration today, but was then pulled off the agenda. As Randy Yowie reports, a small but active group of protesters delivered their message to the Senate today. I am the woman who he tried to silence, but I am the woman who survived. Amanda Hall Sanchez shared her personal horror of campus sexual assault with dozens gathered in the upper Senate rotunda. 
The Fairmont State professor says if she had access to a gun against her perpetrator on campus, she would not have been able to effectively use it. Um, because I've already let my guard down, um, I've already trusted this person, um, there, may, there may be a sense of overpowerment, um, but two, I, I could use it against my attacker um, and suffer the turmoil, that the mental turmoil that comes with that. Um, and three, the risk of, of suicide after a rape is very high. The latest version of campus carry includes a number of amendments that highlight restrictions on bringing guns in and around dormitories and residence halls, but many of these students and teachers say that's still not enough. Dre Hodges came representing the Black Student Union. Student Ali Sears lived in a dormitory. Both are among the many who say no campus carry restrictions will help protect or provide safety. I have too many friends who struggle with their mental health that I know that if they had that access to a firearm, even if they had to go to a safe or had to go to their car, they would do something with that gun that would harm them or someone else. We all know that there is still some tension. There Racism is still alive here in the United States. And so we would like to all come together, as you see in front of these Senate chambers, and say no, all together as one. Because not only just for the minority, but you got to say the minority as women, you got to say the minority as blacks, Muslims. They're not exempting the most vulnerable groups on campus, international students and places where international students go, um, LGBTQ centers, um, feminist research centers, and, and the Council for Women's Concerns um, at WVU is very much um, opposed to this. For the legislature today, I'm Randy Yoey. At noon today, the governor would not commit to signing the Campus Self-Defense Act and would not rule out a veto. And there's no word at this hour from the Senate Judici Judiciary Committee whether the bill, House Bill 2519, will be placed back on the agenda. I'm Suzanne Higgins. For everyone here at West Virginia Public Broadcasting, thanks for joining us. Have a great evening.